Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. This is Fergus in Miami. Yes, I'm in Miami. Um, when you live in Chicago in the wintertime, sometimes you have to go to places like Miami uh, because Chicago in the wintertime can be daunting. So we're down here for a week and I find myself in my hotel room right now surrounded by pillows trying to make sure that the sound quality is reasonable. So hopefully, hopefully it is. Uh, today I talk with uh, Kathleen Kindle. Uh, Kathleen is Group Director Connections and Insight at Saatchi and Saatchi in Los Angeles. And as you, if you, and you would know this if you've heard other episodes uh, in my automotive uh, series, uh, it's not surprising that Saatchi has had the Toyota business in North America since 1975. Wow. And this is not unusual uh, in uh, in automotive. We've seen this a couple of times, and um, I'm sort of unclear whether that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, I have worked in automotive uh, in the past myself, so I'm a little biased. But um, we hear the story about Toyota uh, in terms of uh, sort of where the brand loosely is, and um, and Kathleen, uh, who is in charge mainly of the of the uh, car brands versus as opposed to the truck brands, tells us about um, the activities within sort of the car space. Um, the brand is a, obviously a massive brand in terms of uh, share in North America. It has a terrific history in terms of being a Japanese brand that came to the U.S., went through uh, many decades, yes, decades, of anti-import bashing in this country, which, uh, thank goodness, is no longer an issue for, for brands uh, like Toyota and Honda and Hyundai, uh, but they're brands that are, in essence, very much American brands with uh, that, are, that are manufacturing vehicles here in North America that have a presence, that are a part of culture. So it's been, uh, it's been terrific to see how they've led this category in, in years past. Um, I think that one of the other things I'd note is that, um, you know, I've done this automotive series, done episodes on many different brands, and I've, I've tried to crack the code of automotive marketing and automotive branding, but it's really, really difficult. And uh, Toyota being the one of the major players is risk averse, uh, is very conservative in its marketing and its marketing efforts, but I think is very is worth having having a conversation with because of their scale, because of their sort of product structure. If you have a portfolio that's got a Tundra truck, uh, has got, and then also has a Toyota Prius, um, the question becomes, what's the brand? Is it a house of brands or is it a branded house? And, and that for me has sort of become the key thing in automotive branding uh, is that question, uh, the answer to that question, because it, it sort of dictates a lot in terms of uh, having super clarity of brand versus having sort of a fuzziness about brand. And, I, and as you listen to the various episodes in my automotive series, I'll let you make the decision about where the clarity lies and where the clarity is a little fuzzy. So um, this is a terrific conversation. Uh, Kathleen, as I said, is out of LA. Enjoy. Kathleen, thank you for joining me today. Very nice to have uh, the Toyota brand represented. Because you know, what we're trying to do here, I kind of, I'm, I'm sort of reversing into it, is I'm almost doing a deep dive on automotive. Uh, from planners who work on automotive. So it, it, I think it was Wednesday, yesterday, I think it was, we did Honda. We're doing Toyota today. Next week, we're doing Volvo. We're doing, um, who else am I missing? I can't remember right, right now, but we're doing 
a number of brands. And so we're trying to get our, our head around the mass market of automotive. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So tell us about uh, what a group director of connections and insights does uh, on the uh, Toyota business at Saatchi. Well, um, for that title, um, you know, we are a traditional account planning outfit. You know, we are responsible for all of the strategy that happens for um, pretty much all of the communication efforts that come through um, Saatchi and Toyota. So, you know, my role is I manage a team of seven people, um, you know, who are working on the day-to-day business of, of um positioning vehicles and writing briefs and uh, uh, understanding who our target audiences are, building, um, you know, we work with digital communications. I mean, so it's all of those traditional account planning activities, despite the connections and insight title. So are you, are you, are you kind of broken up as a department by nameplate or by, by vehicle segment or by tier one, tier two? How, how well, do you break them up? Yeah, well, we have um, two groups um, between, so I'm a group director of all the cars and alternative fuel vehicles, and then my counterpart um, does all of the trucks and SUVs. Cool. And then, uh, so you're responsible for those within North America or just the United States? We are all of the United States. Okay. Yes, we, we manage, it's called um, Toyota um, North America, and so that's what we're responsible for. So is how long has the relationship with Saatchi been around for Toyota? It, it's been a, a extraordinarily long amount of time. I believe since 1975. God, isn't it unbelievable? How, unbelievable. It, how does yeah. this happen? How how wonderful that it happens. But why why is it? Because I in Honda the conversation was similar. I think it was 1986. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Since uh, RPA has had the Honda business, and it's right. like, why does that happen? Is it is it culture of companies? Is it people at agencies? Because nobody else is doing not enough. I mean, the vast, the vast majority, I would guess 70, 80 plus percent of brands are not getting past, aren't getting close to anything like that. Not even <laughs> getting close to a decade would be right. my guess. How I is know. it happening? Um, well, I mean, I think that we are very, very intertwined. You know, I mean, we're very aligned as a, an agency and a, and a company. It almost doesn't feel, you know, like we are um, separate, you know, where our organizations are extremely close. You know, we plan together, we do all the work together, um, you know, we support each other in a very strong way. I mean, I, I feel that, well, I hope to say that Toyota would feel that, you know, they could not do it without us. <laughs> well, that's for sure. You know, for sure, you know, but I, it's just, it, it's a very close relationship is, is I think the best way that I can say it and that, um, you know, they depend on us for a, a lot of things. You know, um, one thing that's interesting about their culture is, um, you know, a lot of people who work for Toyota have worked there for years and years and years as well. Um, but they um, have a practice of rotating people throughout the organization. So you may work in parts and service. You may work in the field with the dealers. You may work in marketing, um, but you may rotate every couple of years. And so I think because of that system of working, they've um, relied upon the agency for institutional knowledge, um, for you know, kind of carrying the torch of marketing. I really hold them in high esteem because of the way that they operate and and you know, kind of how they put their foot forward in the world. They're just absolutely passionate and dedicated 
to making vehicles and performing as an operation in the highest form of quality possible. So would you say that it's a that it's a culture that's rooted in engineering or in manufacturing or in design or, or how would you articulate it? Uh, you know, I don't know if I've really thought about that, <laughs> to be super honest. I would say design and manufacturing. I mean, you know, they, they are, I mean, obviously dedicated to QDR and, um, you know, but it, they're also dedicated to making exciting cars too. You know, um, Akio Toyota, the, the um, chairman is, you know, legendary for saying a few years ago, no more boring cars from Toyota, you know, but that doesn't mean they're going to sacrifice the the quality and reliability of them either, you know, so I would say engineering and manufacturing, I guess, if I had to say. But I, I think that dedication to quality is the the root of who Toyota is. So how do you how do you think uh, Toyota is different from, let's say, Honda? They both share that quality reputation, but I think that Toyota we have the edge, and I think making vehicles that are a little more stylish, a little more good looking, a little more um, uh, able to people feel a little bit more pride about their vehicles. So why do you think? Um... Mr. I can't remember the gentleman's name you mentioned, the chairman. Why did the chairman say no more boring cars? Why did he say that? Uh, and when? Um, I Well, a couple of years ago, I think it was probably 2017, 2016, something like that. And that the first um, 2018 model year um, um, Camry that came out was kind of the first representation of that that manifesto, if you will. You know, that, that if you recall the Camrys of the early 2000s that were kind of... Um, toaster-esque <laughs> in yeah. their design. Um, I think that he personally is a man of style and substance. He loves racing. He loves, um, you know, fast cars himself. And, and so I think that he really wanted to reshape Toyota's product in terms of their style and, and looks for people to drive. It seems to me that sort of Toyota um, were sort of known as being a car, and I've heard another planner say this, and I actually nodded in agreement when he said it to me, which was a number of years ago, but I since have reflected on it and I think he was wrong. And oh. he said that buying a Toyota is not an emotional purchase. It's a rational purchase. And he was saying, implying that being the same for Honda and for many of the mass market brands. What do you think of that? Um, well, I think that, you know, people can make emotional decisions and then rationalize them later. We have, what, uh, 19 cars in our lineup, something like that. Some of them are probably rational decisions. You know, if you have a large family and you need a third row seat or you need, um, you know, sliding doors of a minivan to haul your family around on weekends, that's probably a more rational decision, but you still want to feel good about it. I tend to think of it as the fact that even though you might you might make, I, I think that when people buy things in general, they make a decision that they either want to fit in or they either want to stand out. <laughs> and you you pick your bucket depending on, on the category, depending on who you are. Right. But it doesn't make the purchase any less or more emotional in the excitement and anticipation sure. of the purchase. So I, I think it's a mistake to associate these that these mass brands in any category with being rational it's just a different version of emotion it's not as and it is equally tied to ego as it might be our status as buying a mercedes is or buying a uh a bmw is it's just a different level of status but it's still emotional i i think so i mean i i very much agree with that and, and whether you're 
just starting out buying your first car or, you know, buying the car to meet your family's needs or your own personal needs that, you know, it's still, you still want to feel good about it and you still want to have that that sense of pride and, and, you know, fun, frankly, with the car that you have to drive every day. Well, one day we'll drive every day again. (laughs) Right. So what, what, what do you think, uh, what do you think are the, are the challenges a brand like Toyota faces today? And I don't mean today epidemic, but today in terms of uh, where the automotive category is in terms of the brand mix and in terms of what's happening in culture. I think that we need to keep offering um, vehicles that people want. You know, that's certainly a a lesson learned over, I think um, a lot of other manufacturers have learned, you know, the, the American interest and craze for SUV type vehicles is, is only growing, you know, every day, you know, I think it's something the 60 or 70% range of every new vehicle sold is a form of of SUV, you know, and, and, uh, 20 years ago, that would have been not possible. You know, we were a sedan kind of country. So, you know, keeping that mix correct and then thinking about, you know, what's going to come down the pike three, four or five years from now is, is very much top of mind as well. You know, we want to offer a, some form of SUV, like in every flavor of ice cream that you can, you know, and so that's definitely something that the company is thinking about. Except, think. for, except for vanilla, of course. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> no vanilla SUVs. So, um, so it seems it seems to me from looking at commercials uh, that have been running in 2020 that the brand is trying to inject that fun uh, through uh, injecting performance into being an aspect of the brand. Is that mm-hmm. I, I, I got to assume that's a that's a strategic choice that you have made. Yeah, I mean, and it goes back to that no more boring cars. You know, we certainly want people to to know that these cars are fun to drive as well as good looking and, and having that, you know, dedication to high quality. So that's purposeful. Yeah. So tell us, tell us a little bit about, um, I mean, you, you can pick the category, whether it's trucks and SUVs, whether it's the minivan or whether it's the, the sedans, the cars. Tell us a little bit about how you look at a, at a portfolio of your own portfolio of vehicles and how you differentiate between them. I'd love to, because it's got. I got to tell you, it's very. And this is why I'm trying to do this deep dive because I struggle with this. Like how how do you how would you articulate the difference between Tundra, Tacoma, Sequoia? Is it just size that this is entry level, mid level, full size, or however it's articulated, or, or is there personalities that you assign to each of these? Well, um, I, you know, as I work in the, the cars and alternative fuel. Oh, vehicles, right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I can probably best talk about that. I mean, it's a little bit of both, right? I mean, it's, it's obviously, yes, you know, the, the class and the, the, um, the size of the vehicles that kind of starts the differentiation, you know, so we have our entry level vehicle, although I don't want to call it that uh, or hesitate to call it that, you know, is a Corolla. It's a, it's a small car, but it's actually a small car that's even more unlike a, a mid-sized car because that's kind of how they're manufacturing them now. So it, it begins with, yes, the obvious sort of size differentiator, but then we also look at, you know, who is the buyer, who is the consumer of these vehicles, and even that um, has different levels within it. It's actually kind of a three-tiered um, buyers, you know, where you have um, Gen Y millennials, you know, who are buying it as their first car. You have um, Gen Xers who may be empty nesters or, or only have, you know, one or two kids in the household who just want that type of vehicle. And then you have um, 
boomers who have had all of the big cars in their life and are kind of, you know, downsizing into something smaller. So it's a little bit of the of the size, but it's also the, who is the consumer uh, of that vehicle. And and sometimes it's not just like I said, one consumer, but it can be kind of different groups as well. So how do you message Corolla? If it's, if it's um, targeting across generations, how do you message it? We, we literally created um, a campaign that included versions of commercials for those three groups. You know, so there was one targeted at the more millennial mindset. There was one targeted at the more um, Gen X mindset. And then one for the, the kind of, you know, still fun happening boomer mindset as well. So uh, uh, forgive me, but that seems sort of frenetic to me because if I'm a, if I'm an, a Gen Y, if, if I'm somebody in my um, well, you're not going into Z yet, but if I'm if I'm 30 and I see an ad for the campaign targeting somebody who's 60, I think this is not the car for me. Do you run the risk of that? Well, perhaps, but I mean, hopefully, through our targeted efforts in the in the media buying, you know, right. that those people are seeing those commercials in the places where they're consuming media. You know, if we if we did our jobs correctly. And so, t- and then tell me, as an extension of that, tell me how you would uh, differentiate beyond size Camry and talk about messaging Camry versus Corolla. How do you, how do you guys approach that? So Camry was more the idea about being fun to drive and the sensation that you feel in, in driving the car where Corolla is more about, you know, a car that fits any situation. Um, the campaign title for Corolla was called greater than, and, you know, it was really about how this car enables you to have um, greater than life experiences. Wow. That's a, that's a lot to take in. I know. <laughs> Can you describe for me who buys a Toyota? Well, it's hard to say across the board, right? I mean, uh, like obviously... Uh, that's a good point. Like, who you know, buys are, a Toyota car? Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> put a, a Toyota car. Well, I mean, like I said, I think what gets people in the door is that, you know, great reputation of quality, dependability, and reliability. You know, so it's someone who is thinking along those lines, um, you know, but then also doesn't want to um, sacrifice anything. You know, that I, I think the people who walk into a Toyota dealership feel that, you know, there's going to be a lot of choice. There's going to be a lot of options for them. Um, I do think that, um, you know, while there may be some of that rational thinking going into it as well, I, I do think that there's um, an aspect of people's personality that also wants something more. You know, um, I'm thinking of our our Corolla buyers, you know, like I was just talking about that greater than campaign. I think when we talk to acceptors in our clinic, you know, for people who who were gravitating toward that vehicle, they they saw that they were getting something more with it and that it wasn't just, you know, a boring car that they were going to actually, you know, have a, a, a better, more leveled up experience, if you will, with that particular vehicle. Because I struggle, I, I, I struggle with this. This is why I love having the opportunity to talk with you about it. I, I, sure. I kind of, I kind of wonder is, is somebody, somebody who's buying Toyota, are they buying Toyota because of what Toyota is not? And I bring that up because, and I've mentioned this on different shows before. I remember talking to Audi and Audi said, uh, people buy Audis because what it, because of what it does not represent. <laughs> and in particular, they were talking about because it's not a BMW and what BMW has been rightly or wrongly associated with being in terms of the, the person who drives it. So I'm wondering with Toyota, are, are, are people who are buying Toyotas um, uh, buying it for what equally for what it does not stand for and will not make them stand out uh, as it is for them buying it because it's comfortable 
it's and I mean comfortable. Uh, it it doesn't make me stand out. It makes me more fit in. I don't know. <clears throat> I have a hard time saying that across the board. I mean, because you know, I mean, there are some people who probably perceive Toyotas as you know being safe and rational, but for many people out there, a Toyota is aspirational. We're having um uh, um some success now because I think there are people who have not been able to get into Toyotas. Toyota still represents an aspiration for them, you know, and now with some of the financing opportunities that are being offered because of COVID and things like that, we're seeing, you know, people who probably have not been able to be part of Toyota are now being, uh, can't afford that. It's interesting that if you, if you look at the Camry and, and who's driving a Camry, at least the perception, my perception of who's driving a Camry, it's very different than the person who's driving the Prius. So the question becomes, are you a brand that's actually branded by your nameplates and not by your master brand? So, I mean, I, I think that's a great question. And I anticipated that we would talk about that today. I, I think historically, we have been a very um, house of brands. You know, people know the Camry, the Corolla, the Prius, the Tundra, the Tacoma, you know, that's the way that we have gone to market. I think there's a desire to um, to layer in some branded communication to to show people that you know we aren't just a, a sedan maker. You know that we have vehicles a, across the board. You know to satisfy kind of every need that people may have. So moving forward, I think there's going to be a, a, still going to go forward with the the nameplates. You know, um, advertise there be a Camry campaign, a Corolla campaign, but there is an effort called. Um, major let's go places you may have seen some of those yeah. spots that, that feature um, multiple um, vehicles you know so we do want to have people understand what the toyota brand is about as well as you know have an affinity for a particular nameplate so what do you what do you want uh, let's go places to mean um i can tell you exactly what we want it to mean i mean the the idea is that when people hear or see let's go places that it gives them this unmistakable impression of who Toyota is. And, you know, really our purpose, you know, why we exist is to give people the freedom to go anywhere, you know, because we believe that life is bigger when you get out and when you discover more of it. So that really is the the very manifestation of, of what Go Places means. Uh, let's Go Places means and what we want people to take away from the brand. But why couldn't Honda, Ford, Subaru, Kia, Hyundai say the exact same thing? It feels it's like it's a category observation more than or a category benefit more, more than a Toyota. Do you feel, do you see how that might be or not? Sure. Yeah. But I mean, I'm a big believer with brands that, you know, we're the ones saying it. So. Yeah, I get that too. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> right. Like, so, you know, that's our belief, that's our purpose. And hopefully that's um, what we manifest in every experience that the customer has across the board, whether it's at the dealership behind the wheel or on the website or when they're watching a television commercial, you know, so that's the, the communication that we want our brand to to manifest and to hopefully that people take away and believe. And I believe that Let's Go Places has been, you know, kind of a fabric of um, our communication for a very long time and that hopefully people associate that with, with Toyota. Let's Go Places. Not just the ones you can find on a map but the ones you can find in your heart. Let's go beyond everything we know and embrace everything we don't. And once we've reached our destination, let's keep going. Because inspiration doesn't favor those who sit still. 
It dances with the daring. And rewards the courageous with ideas that excite, challenge, even inspire. Ideas that take you places you never imagined. Ideas big enough and powerful enough to make the heart skip a beat. And in some cases, maybe two. Toyota, let's go places. The other thing I've noticed about many of the brands in the category is the fact that they have been leveraging the uh, the in-showroom experience and marketing. Obviously, you guys have a, a massive emphasis on that with the actress who plays the, I think she plays a, she's not a salesperson, but I think she's almost, she used to be, she was started out as the kind of the receptionist within the showroom and the- Jan, she's part of the, the dealership staff employee, yes. And, a, and what's her name again? Her character's name is Jan. Heads. Making an important decision? Well, I want an SUV that I can take camping. I want something stylish for girls' night out. Well, the RAV4's got a beautiful design and has extra cargo space. So now all you have to decide is which model. Limited. Shall we? Why Why that idea to, um, is it a strategic choice to do that? Let me ask you that, and why? From the time I used to work in automotive, which has been a few years now, the dealer's experience was like the thing that people wanted to avoid the most. And well, so a lot of places were sort of turning around to try and humanize that experience. I didn't know whether that was part of Toyota's thinking. Well, I think that all automotive manufacturers are um, putting effort behind making that aspect of the experience better. You know, we know that um, the kids don't want to buy cars at a dealership, <laughs> that, you know, that they want everything to be automated on your phone, um, easy, um, transparent pricing. I mean, so I think every- Hell, uh, I, don't want, I don't want to buy a car at a dealership. <laughs> I'm not a kid. <laughs> well, right. no, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody does. Nobody wants that. And and I think the expectation from consumers is, you know, everything is automated. Look, I mean, we've- yeah we've completely automated everything even in the last six months, right? So certainly buying a card needs to be that way too. So I, I'm certain, well, we as well as I'm sure the entire category of, of automotive are trying to figure out better ways to make the customer experience better. So when, when you look at, when you look at uh, Hyundai and Kia, do you look at them the same way I do with absolute respect for what they have done and 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 how they have taken, how they've made, thinking back to initially to Hyundai, with that sort of revolutionary 100,000 mile warranty, which was the first within the category. Yeah. And it was done because they obviously had major quality, <clears throat> bad quality perceptions. But boy, yeah. have they come in and created a brand, particularly Hyundai, and I think Kia is on its heels doing equally as strong. But these are brands that I, I got to guess, Honda, Toyota, Ford, are losing share to in certain segments, big share. Well, I mean, you know, I'm probably going to have a little bit too much of an insider opinion having, you know, worked on that brand for several years. But, yeah, uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot no, about that. I mean, that. It was always a bummer to me when I, when we worked on them because, you know, they had basically kind of like under 5% penetration in the overall market. Um, but the cars were fantastic. You know I mean? They, they were loaded with content. They were beautiful. You know, Kia's in particular are super stylish. I mean, but Hyundai's are as well. Um, you know, they have everything that a consumer would want and, um, you know, still faced those inroads of just where people that, you know, had complete blind spots to them. They were like, Oh, you know, I mean, it, it, 
they had, there were misperceptions about those brands that I were troubling because you just couldn't overcome them. And what was funny is that Kia did slightly better in that regard, you know, where they were perceived as kind of like stylish and hip and, and a little bit more, you know, fun than Hyundai. But yeah, I mean, the cars are phenomenal. I would always recommend them. Um, they're not, they, they don't enjoy the same, um, pricing opportunities that they did in the past. You know, it used to be that a Hyundai would be equally contented and, but be $5,000 less, you know, than, yeah. a, than its counterparts, their prices are inching up and they're more at parity, you know, with other vehicles. So I don't know. I mean, that I agree with you. I mean, they're a brand that both of those brands should be respected, but they don't quite get the respect that they deserve from the American consumer. So what's, uh, what's sort of happening now with the brand? I was going to say earlier when you, we were talking about kind of like the trends that are um, we're thinking about in the automotive industry, you know, we're very committed to alternative fuel sources and, you know, we'll have a alternative fuel option in all of our nameplates, you know, so the whole way up to the trucks. Yeah, no doubt. Because I mean, you guys were, I think, I think Honda came out with the first sort of electric vehicle. I think it was the Insight, if I'm, I may be wrong here. But then I think that Toyota really uh, leveraged that and, and uh, scaled up probably the most popular mass-produced car in the Prius in terms of a well, hybrid. Sure. I mean, the Prius kind of paved the way for, for all of them. And I think it's still, you know, completely recognized as the hybrid car. If you asked people to, you know, quick name, name a hybrid, and the Prius would, you know, come up, I think, nine times out of ten. Last couple of questions would be mm-hmm. <clears throat> because I, I do struggle with this and I still haven't found and I've got to find a source to be able to sort of uh, map this out. I'm sure it exists. If anybody knows where it is, let me know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to get a sense of uh, positionings um, because I, I don't feel that there's clarity on the positioning of Toyota. And I think this is the result of the fact that so many of these brands are either so diverse in their in their offerings, and I don't mean I yeah. mean I think of Honda because Honda is more than vehicles. Toyota is all vehicles. Honda is more than vehicles. Um, it's across a bunch of different categories, um, outside of automotive. And I look at I look at Ford, uh, and I look at Chevy. I look at um, who else? Uh, I don't know about Chrysler, but I think that these brands have been around for decades. And I think the problem is that most of them have lost sight of the brand and they are trading on the nameplates and they build identity into the nameplates. And then, so it's hard to articulate and it's very tough for strategists to help bubble that up because the emphasis in automotive has always been about, you know, down, downstream transaction development and conversion uh, and, 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 and retail because that's where a lot of the emphasis of the dollars goes. So it sort of leads me to the conclusion that brand is becoming less important in mass market. And therefore, that provides, I think, an opportunity to turn that around uh, because it's, it's well articulated in other, in, other cat, in other segments, premium, luxury, but less so, less so. And it's been, you know, and then look at Tesla. So Tesla comes in and Tesla is all about the brand. Uh, but it's tough for the Fords, the Toyotas and the Hondas of the world to get back to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, and I and I do believe that it's you know by that practice of, of, you know, communicating the model, you know, versus yeah. communicating you know what the 
the the brand is and that you know has been good or bad kind of a you know a, a tradition in automotive advertising you know to to go to market through the the model name right but i think that um you know we certainly recognize that having affinity for the overall brand is is as important as well you know which is why we want to continue to infuse our our let's go places ethos in in all of our communications and to you know um hopefully leave the consumer with a taste of that whether they're seeing a, a camry ad a prius ad or a tacoma ad right you know that they're taking that away yeah i i, I hope it's i hope it works i think that uh it's it's just interesting days when we see brands like tesla they're becoming almost the yeah uh, I mean, it's almost the apple of the automotive category in terms oh, of it's, I, it's, I, it, it is a, it, it is, is a brand. <laughs> yeah, it's not it about the nameplates. It's about the brand. It's under, and, it's not about the model number. Well, and back to our earliest conversation, I think that's a completely emotional association that people have with that. You know, they revere the founder. They are in love with the technology. They perceive the design is different. I mean, it's a complete emotional, I think, um, experience for consumers with that brand in particular. Yeah, we were, we, we had, we had an interview um, I think a week or two ago with um, uh, about Samsung uh, with um, the uh, I remember Ed Sue he's the chief strategy officer for it, it with uh, Publicis and we were talking talking about Samsung Mobile and he talked about Apple in that way that you just did which is so right which is the idea that with Apple there was the godlike figure in Steve Jobs mm-hmm. there was the places of worship that were the uh, stores. And there was this whole, and there was these 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 uh, these converts, which were these sort of people who just loved the brand, this tribe of people who followed it. And it's the same with Tesla, right? (laughs) Yes. And that's the beginnings of so many of these brands. And as it probably was with Henry Ford back in the day, uh, as it was with uh, Mr. Honda, and probably with Toyota too. But I think over time, the evolution sometimes it's tougher to maintain the brand, to focus on the brand. So hopefully. Yeah, I mean they're they're not at our scale or size either, right? You know, it's a, when you have what four vehicles, I think Tesla has. I think it's a little easier to control the narrative. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So it's it's I I think uh, I, I think we'll we'll see how it all goes as uh, time moves on. Kathleen Kindle, Group Director, <laughs> Connections and Insights at Saatchi and Saatchi in LA, working on the the Toyota cars business. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Super fun. It was great having you. One other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up is that um, I've just um, just launched live. Uh, if you if you visit the On Strategy Showcase uh, website, you know, you'll see it under the live tab off of the homepage. But live is actually this um, this idea, which was really part of the initial thinking uh, of this show, is that it would be not only a uh, an experience that would be available on podcasts, but would also be available through live events. So obviously we're not um, we're not in a position right now where we can do in person live events. So we're starting off by uh, by launching live, and live will come in different forms where organizations, agencies, companies um, can can uh, um, kind of host a live showcase at one of their existing events, or you can build an event around the showcase, and it can be a partnership between myself and your brand or your company. And um, there's a number of different ideas that I've kind of shaped that are on the website. Uh, one that I love and I've always wanted to do, and I, I think once we get through the pandemic, I will get to this in person, which is sort of visiting major and primary and secondary ad markets and having a sort of a multi-hour live event 
that showcases some of the best work in that local city by the agencies in those in those cities and interviewing those involved in its creation could be the clients and the strategists could be the creatives and i kind of see this as an opportunity to kind of spread the words within a city because when i was uh, coming up in the industry uh, i i would work in an agency i remember starting off in a major agency and quite frankly, I didn't even know about the details about the work that was going on down the hallway from me, let alone what was going on at an agency at a different part of the city. And I think that's a common problem. And I think that's a terrible situation and an opportunity uh, for us to help address, which is getting people familiar with the great work that's been done in their local markets. I think on the show here, we tend to have an international lens on work and we try to bring international work to you personally. But I think with Showcase, it's an opportunity to sort of localize it and make it work on a local level. So that's just one of the ideas that um, that is sort of teed up on the site. Uh, if you're interested in having a conversation and customizing uh, a Showcase to whatever your organization's needs are, uh, do reach out uh, on email to uh, uh, hello at onstrategy.showcase.com. Hello at onstrategyshowcase.com.